Welcome, welcome to the Hard Skills Show with me, Dr. Mira Bronku. I work with leaders in healthcare research, STEM, and other technical fields who want to develop an authentic leadership identity and create a healthy, inclusive workplace environment to retain the best people doing their best work. In other words, developing the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. This is the um, uh, second episode, actually, of our second season. This season, we're focusing on developing leadership identity, which is the second stage of my strategic leadership pathway model. And today, we're talking with Alisa Fur, who is here for a live coaching call. So you will hear her tell her leadership story, and we're going to dig into addressing one leadership challenge that I think many leaders are going to really resonate with. So listen carefully. We do value evidence-based practical solutions here. So be ready. Take notes. I always do. Reflect deeply and identify at least one small step to further develop your hard skills muscle. Now, Elisa Hur is an award-winning founder and CEO of Unity Web Agency, a certified B Corps that specializes in helping nonprofits and socially responsible businesses make their websites more inclusive, accessible, and sustainable. To that end, her company loves working with organizations that serve marginalized communities, women-owned businesses, and other certified B corporations, among other uh, groups. As a neurodivergent and queer entrepreneur, she navigates the professional world with moxie, challenging the toxic uh, hustle culture prevalent in creative and tech industries. Elisa has a true commitment to authentic leadership, and you can tell that in how she embodies the principles she champions in her own business. Alongside her work at Unity Web Agency, she co-founded Unit. Unity of Impact, a platform empowering mission-driven companies to track and report their social impacts. Elisa holds an MS in Library Science from UNC Chapel Hill and a BS in Psychology from Appalachian State University. Welcome, Elisa. Glad to have you on the show. Thank you. I miss yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, as a reminder, folks, this is a live coaching session. So instead of my typical interview, I'll be focused more on supporting Lisa in her stated goal of balancing two important aspects of being a business owner. Number one, being the kind of leader who is kind and well-liked. And also, number two, being the kind of leader who is seen as confident and can deliver critical direct feedback when it's needed. Alisa, does that sound right for what we discussed focusing on? Any tweaks you have to this? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Excellent. And I really, um, what I really appreciate about Alisa, honestly, is that um, she is on this show truly embodying exactly what she hopes to see in the world. And this is something that I love as someone who has been in, in leadership roles is, you know, practice what we preach right? And she wants to help other business owners like her. And um, through this work that, you know, for for being on the show uh, alone says a lot about what kind of leader she is and how she wants to show up in the world for others, right? So very excited to have you on. Um, Elisa, let's start with your job history. And importantly, how you started your business. What were the pivotal moments that that got you here? Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on here. Um, it, like you said in my introduction, um, I have a master's degree in library science. Um, that was actually a, one of my pivotal uh, points in getting where I am. I actually, um, when I was in middle school, started learning how to code. Um, this was in the 90s. I learned HTML. My dad got me started. But it was just, for me, um, I think that um, coding is a special interest of mine. And so that's what I spent the majority majority of my time um, outside of school doing. And um, I thought as I was going through, you know, 
transitioning from school into career, thinking about what I wanted to do with my life and seeing how my parents and other people in that generation had a lifelong job in one place, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. climbing the career ladder. And I had that idea for myself too. And so I thought I'll be a librarian. I love research. I love um, helping people. I um, really love organization, all of these things. And when I graduated from uh, my master's program, it was 2009, was the middle of the recession. Jobs were scarce. And I I was born and raised in North Carolina. I didn't want to move somewhere else just to find a job when my life was here. Uh, So I ended up looking for a job, doing anything, anything that I could. And where I landed actually was doing web development. Um, And so I worked um, for several years as a web developer at another design agency. And um, after about four and a half years, I was headhunted to um, be the founding CTO of a nonprofit. Um, And that was an incredible opportunity really started, I think that that was like, I was, I was a leader at the, um, at the agency. I was a lead developer there, but going into a C-suite position for the first time, um, in my early thirties was a big jump for me. Um, and so that was, um, that was a really big transition for me. But after working at this nonprofit for a while, um, as much as I loved the work that I was doing there and the people that I worked with, I had the itch to get back into serving a variety of clients and um, was thinking about finding another agency to work for. But um, you mentioned the toxic hustle culture that is so prevalent and it's something that was a huge barrier for me in deciding to join another agency. I didn't think that I would fit in. Um, My lifestyle, um, my need for um, just accommodations as somebody that is autistic and has ADHD. um, And at the time, I did not know this, but, you know, there's all the... um, high effort that comes with masking and um, accommodating yourself through experiences that are just uncomfortable. And so anyway, that's when I decided it would be easier for me to start my own company than it would be to find a job. So I started Unity Web Agency in 2016. Um, I also knew that I did not want to be a freelancer. I wanted to build a team. So from the beginning, it was really about... um, making a company that was bigger than myself. Yeah. You know, not everybody would agree that it would be easier to build a company as compared to, you know, finding another job. So I guess I'm wondering what, what, what was important to the, um, those considerations as you started thinking about building this company and as you, you know, built the company itself. Um, A big part of it for me, um, as I mentioned, it's just sort of my personality, the way that I um, fit into an office environment, um, but also being a woman in tech. It's really hard to be respected um, because the first impression that people have when they see me um, is that I'm not experienced or I'm maybe I'm new or I'm um, just not as talented as somebody that looks different from me. And it just, um, it's straining uh, to feel like that for so long. Um, and I, the, th- the thought of going through interviews was just so daunting. After, after having interviewed for months and months and months after getting my master's degree and not getting a job, it was, I was afraid to go back into that again. Um, yeah, but I knew that if I started my own company, that I wouldn't have to do those things. <laughs> mm. um, yeah. So I hear um, some of the things that were draining 
were around managing um, uh, biases and, you know, impression management around being a, a young woman in tech. So there's ageism and sexism. There's how people perceive young women in tech um, as not as experienced, not as talented, and um, constantly butting up against that. The additional challenge I heard was also um, having to uh, feel like you were masking, um, you know, um, and the need for accommodations for ADHD and autism, even though um, it sounds like back then you weren't diagnosed necessarily, but you sort of have had a sense of it. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Um, I always felt like I didn't fit in. Um, there's always a question in the back of my mind of like, am I just not trying hard enough to fit in with these people? Um, or, um, like what's, what's wrong with me? Like, why am I weird? That kind of thing. And, um, I got to as starting as, as founding a company and, and creating the corporate culture from the beginning, um, I got to define it by the core values that I set at the beginning and the types of people that I hired and, um, it all like being able to create a culture of inclusivity and understanding and um, harmony, <laughs> collaboration, all of those things. Yeah. And just um, for the benefit of, of the audience to understand um, whether they're undiagnosed and they might resonate or um, company leaders who may not know um, what this means, what is masking? What does it look like? What is the experience of people with autism when they're masking? Well, so I'm not an expert in this, only in my own experience, but um, masking is the word that's used to describe um, hiding your true self in a way um, to be able to um, kind of cover up your awkwardness. Um, so for me, it's very much like I'll study how people um, interact and the phrases that they'll use and at what times do they do what things. And so then I'm, I'm making a schedule in my own head and then the script and everything like that. And so it's not coming naturally to me to do that. So I have to work extra hard to appear as if I'm just as normal quote unquote, normal as everybody else. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of um, stereotypical ways um, that um, we learn to be socialized and how to interact in, in a work culture environment. And we don't really realize we're socialized to act a certain way as like what's appropriate behavior, what's not, what's appropriate interaction, what's not. And um when you feel like you're struggling with trying to fit into that mold, then you're going to feel like either um, you're being inauthentic to yourself, you're, you, you don't feel like you belong, or you have to sort of pretend, which can be exhausting, right? So um, it sounds like there was a lot about um, working within certain corporate environments that was really exhausting, um, from, you know, the tech world and, you know, women in tech and the, the masking. So um, we're going to dig into a little bit of that in terms of um, what led you to think about, you know, coming on the show today related all, to all of that. But we're going to take a break right now. Um, we're nearing this ad break. And um, just as a reminder, you are listening to The Hard Skills with me, Dr. Mira Bronku, and our guest, Elisa Herr. The Hard Skills uh, now airs on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern time. If you'd like to join us online and ask questions, you're welcome to on LinkedIn when this airs. Um, otherwise, um, you can see uh, the recording also on talkradio.nyc. And we'll be right back with our guest in just a moment. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. 
Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a high-achieving, growth-oriented leader? Are you interested in developing your authentic leadership while creating a healthy, inclusive workplace? Hi, I'm Dr. Mira Brathu, host of The Hard Skills on talkradio.nyc at 1 p.m. Eastern on Fridays, where we discuss how leaders develop the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. We interview experts, have live coaching, and tackle these challenges. Listen to The Hard Skills on Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape driving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify your business today. Listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back to The Hard Skills. You are listening to me, Dr. Mira Bronku, and Alisa Herr, and we're doing a live coaching call right now. And um, we've been talking a lot about, um, Alisa, how you transitioned from um, the work environment that felt like you were exhausted all the time, working so hard to try to fit in, find a place of belonging, um, you know, uh, feel valued for what you brought and feel authentic, right? And um, realizing that the only way that maybe um, you were going to create that was to create it for yourself through a business and to create it for others that you hired, right? So I am um, curious at this point, um, how long have you been in your business? Uh, Since 2016, so a little over seven years. Seven years, okay. Okay. Um, which is actually an important mark, by the way, for a business. Um, you know, most businesses uh, have a hard time making it to the one-year mark, then the three-year, then the five-year, but the seven is like a big deal, right? So congratulations on that. I didn't so, know that. Thank yes, you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, you've hit a lot of milestones here just getting to the seven-year mark, but I'm wondering, um, what do you see as the current challenges now? Um, related to your goal? Yeah. So, I mean, all along, I've struggled with interpersonal communication. Um, like I said, I study how people say things. Um, but then I have a really hard time reflecting it back. So then I end up just being awkward. Um, but I really struggle with finding the right words. And a big challenge for me um, that I've been dealing with all along, but has been coming to a head recently um, with managing a bunch of people and um, working with a variety of personalities, both on my team, but also with clients. And um, it's really hard for me to give straightforward and direct feedback when I'm concerned about how that person's going to receive it. I am very sensitive and um I can you be a highly sensitive person and autistic at the same time, or is that a spectrum? <laughs> anyway, um, but I, yeah, I, I, I'm a people pleaser. I err on the side of being nice and agreeable. I want people to like me, um, but that results in me not being able to. It feels like a complete block. Like I know the words. I might have written it down, but as soon as it has to come out of my mouth, I'm. I feel incapable of actually saying the things that they need to hear, even if it's going to hurt their feelings. Yeah. And that's, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. So we're going to like break it down. Right. So, um, 
first there's um, the just finding the right words, right? And um, finding yourself worried about other people's reactions, which if you just take that by itself is like the most common stressful experience of most people who care about what other people think (laughs) like period, like regardless of autism, ADHD, being a woman, like if you just remove all of that, most people struggle with that anyway. So I just want to sort of just normalize how hard it is to give feedback period. If you're the kind of person that cares about other people. (laughs) So now that said, that said, um, Let's explore what compounds that experience, what makes it even harder, right? So let's start with like just different pieces of your identity and who you are. Um, let's take it with um, with gender. Are there any gendered messages that you've received in your life about how you're supposed to present as a woman that adds to this sort of stress of giving hard feedback? Yes, definitely. Um, I mean, I was raised to be polite and deferential and, you know, little girls are um, quiet and stay out of the way. And, um, you know, a lot of times things that I that I remember um, when I would bring up a difficult situation I was having with a friend with my parents, there was always the, well, what do you think? How do you think they feel about it? It was like, one of the main messages that I got mm. from my parents, um, anytime I was talking about, you know, I had a fight with so-and-so and it's like, well, how do you think they feel? Well, yeah. How I feel. And so it felt like, yes, as, as a little girl, um, my feelings were not as important as other people's. Yeah. And that is a big deal. Um, just feeling like your feelings were less important, invalidated not um, considered and how damaging that kind of feedback is when you hear it over and over and over again through a lifetime of um, personal and professional experiences, right? How much you have to sort of tamp down um, about how much you share about your needs, right? So we're going to add that piece to the already difficult piece about giving hard feedback, right? Um, Now let's add, um, are there other pieces about having autism and or ADHD or the combination that make this even additionally harder, that compounds the difficulty from your perspective? I think so. Um, Without scripting something, it's really hard for me to find the right words in the moment. And so I spend a lot of time and energy scripting things out, whether it's written down or just in my head and rehearsing it over and over and over again. Um, So finding the right words, yes. (laughs) Is that in every situation or is it only in these critical feedback type conversations? Um, I would say that primarily in these critical feedback situations, but even in like times where it would be nice to compliment somebody or um, congratulate them on a job well done, things like that. I just forget to do that. It's not that I'm not appreciative, uh, but it doesn't occur to me that that would be a nice thing to do. Um, So, yeah. Social niceties. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So um, what have you done so far to manage both the social niceties, giving, giving people good feedback positive reinforcement, positive praise, as well as giving them critical feedback about performance. How have you done it so far? Like, what do you, what do you do and what does it look like? 
Um, if it's, if somebody has recently told me that it's important to them to receive praise, then it's on top of mind. I try to remember to do it. Um, and I kind of have like a, um, I don't know, like, I put people into categories in my head, you know, <laughs> um, it's sort of like love languages, like, are they words of affirmation person? Are they give people like, and then I can, I can kind of remember that. Um, but in terms of the hard feedback, I um, usually talk it out with somebody else. And then I really like the way that I heard them say something and wish I'd recorded it so that I could have transcribed it. Or, um, and then I take frantic notes and I spend hours crafting it to be in a perfect, perfect way that feels like a very kind way of saying something, but is also um, telling them how it is. But then when I actually get in the conversation, I'm not reading from the script because then it sounds like I'm reading from a script. So um, I end up winging it and looking at my notes and then uh, stumbling and not being able to just spit it out. So I'm just, I get more awkward. People are like, oh no, this is going to be bad because she's not saying something and they can tell I'm not saying something. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let me go back to the positive praise because mm -hmm. There's something about that that is easier for you. Like once somebody tells you what their love language is, you put them in the category and then it's it sort of comes more easily and naturally. Why do you think it it's easier to remember that and it comes more easily to just state something off the cuff? Well, um, I think one of the deep-seated parts of why this is so hard, why the negative feedback is so hard is that I'm a people pleaser. And so I like to make people feel good and I want them to like me and uh, positive feedback accomplishes those things. So it's easier. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. So we are reaching another ad break. So we're going to um, take a pause there. And when we come back, we're going to look at the hard feedback piece uh, because this is the, the hardest part about it. So as a reminder, you're listening to The Hard Skills with me, Dr. Mira Branku, and our guest, Alisa Herr. The Hard Skills airs on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern. We, uh, you can find us on YouTube and LinkedIn and other places at talkradio.nyc. And we'll be right back with our guest in just a moment. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day.
Welcome, welcome back to The Hard Skills with me, Dr. Mira Bronco, and our guest, Elisa Herr. And um, we are talking about how difficult it is to give hard feedback and finding the right words. And, um, you know, for, for many people, and especially if you were socialized to be a people pleaser, and many women are, um, it is... It, it can be excruciating to um, give people um, what you consider to be negative uh, feedback when, especially not just a people pleaser, but um, if you're just focused on supporting others, you know? And um, one of the things that we talked about, Elisa, is um, not only were you um, sort of socialized to not think about your own needs, but also think a lot about other people's needs and how to support them and how to please them. And, and this is um, an extremely common experience for many women who are coming into their own, um, probably right at mid-career, which is exactly where you are, when um, they're starting to realize that all of those learned messages are not serving them well. But now what? Because you've only learned one way to do it, right? And the one way that you learned to do it um, was reinforced over and over as a good thing until now. And now you're like, wait, but now it's not not now it's not um, serving the purpose it previously served. So how do I let go of all of that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So you're at a really important crux in your leadership development, and um, and so many women are, you know, go through this and it doesn't help that in addition, um, you're, you're working through um, the effects of ADHD and autism. The, the ADHD piece makes it hard to hold on to the information. So you're like, you know, you're writing furiously and you're trying to remember everything and then you're distracted by, you know, um, the emotion of it. Which again, like it is very normal when we're really stressed out about having to give hard feedback that um, our fight or flight response is overactivated and um, the amygdala is like screaming, get out of here. This is a threat. This is bad. This is horrible. Um, Whatever it is. But um, it it sort of overfloods our ability to think straight, and um, people with ADHD already have a lot of those executive functioning challenges, meaning challenges in organizing their thoughts and um, being uh, really structured or clear. And um, so, when you're really stressed out, it's really going to overwhelm the system. So. Um, one of the things just to keep in mind is that um, it might take a little bit longer and that's okay for you to organize your thoughts and to say what you want to say. But in a moment that um, is well past your flight or flight response, like you, you have to let the emotional flood sort of die down just a little bit. And in the beginning, that could take several weeks. I'm not going to lie. It can take several weeks. And I'm, I'm sort of curious, like, is that your experience? That's, I had never, ever heard that it could take several weeks. And it makes so much sense because I think I heard 30 minutes or something like that. <laughs> I don't know when I heard that, but that was the number I had in my head. It was like, if you get flooded, you need to like wait 30 minutes or whatever, but my gosh, or a day or something like that. Weeks. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a friend. Um, I have a friend. She's still a friend. We're friends. Um, but there was something that didn't feel great. Like an interaction we had that didn't feel great. And it took, it took me a while, like a, at least a week to say something to her about it. Um, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's that very, yeah, I think that's very do. normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I, I think it had to do with that. Um, yeah. 
excruciating yeah. too. You said that word earlier and um, it, that is very distracting, the emotions of it all, um, especially when it's that painful. And I really like that you're using a word like that to um, validate how painful it is. Yeah. It's not just uncomfortable. It's excruciating. Yes. Yes. And, um, and it really isn't that unusual, um, for it to take several weeks to process through, um, because your, your, um, um, your, your entire like, um, fight or flight response is overactivated and it could be agitated for quite a while as you're sort of getting, gaining equilibrium again you know, and gaining your footing. And so um, in the beginning, when you're practicing these skills, um, give it the time that you need and, um, but don't sit with it. So it sounds like you're already really good to people and processing through, like trying to get some feedback, trying to get some reactions. What do you think of this? Um, That is really helpful to get yourself out of your own head. Um, because if you sit with yourself, you're just going to spin, you're, yeah. you're going to ruminate and spin and overthink and overworry. Does that sound common um, for you as an experience? Yeah. And I'm, I'm an external processor. It's like um, a paradox, I guess, for me that I'm an external processor. And so it helps for me to talk stuff out. Mm -hmm. But then I also have a hard time finding the right words. Yeah. 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 Um, Okay. So once I, I will um, say that once you do this a lot and get better and better at it, um, the two weeks or whatever it takes will turn into one week and the one week will turn into a few days, maybe some days you'll be lucky enough for it to only take a day. That's probably going to be less likely. Um, But one of the things that you can notice about yourself when you're practicing this more and more is um, instead of negatively judging yourself about how long it's taking you for, for you to be able to give this feedback that you want to give um, judge yourself with how much shorter the Um, that length of time to recover takes because that's really the progress right there. The length of time that it takes to recover. That's an amazing perspective. I have a question about, um, about allowing for this time when best practice I don't know who's best practice but I've heard you know it's like it's good to give timely feedback especially when it's something that you want somebody to change about something so or or, you know how do you give timely feedback with also allowing yourself that space to be able to process so that you can say the thing yeah that's a great question Um, and I do have an opinion on it. So since you asked my advice and opinion, I'm going to share it. Um, I think timely feedback is only useful if it's also, um, worthwhile, useful feedback. (laughs) If you give immediate feedback, but it's emotion laden, it's not helpful feedback. So there's no purpose in giving timely feedback that is not useful Um, I would rather you wait, you know, um, even several months to take in more data to identify a pattern of, of problems and then find a time when you're less emotionally activated to have a conversation about a pattern of behaviors instead of like one specific incident. And I find that that is sometimes more useful to people anyway. Um, so like, let's say one time it happens, you're just like, hmm, that's interesting. Let me just keep that in the back of my mind. And then the second time, the same thing happens. 
hmm, this looks like a pattern. I'm going to just keep track of like, what's happening with this? Why, why is this happening? What is the purpose of this behavior? How do I feel about it? And then let's say that third time it happens, um, you have gathered enough information and thought about it enough that you can say like, hey, um, I just want to sort of call this out because I'm finding like this has happened, this has happened a couple of times. And I'm just wondering about it, you know? So now it's not like immediate every time, you know, um, kind of, but, but really like thoughtful. Mm-hmm. And again, it, t- it's, it, it sort of takes some, it helps you separate from the emotion of the first situation or one mm-hmm. situation. So then a new emotion arises, which is that fear of conflict in the moment of bringing it up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's, let's talk about that. Cause I think that's really the bigger challenge here. Um, let's talk about this people pleasing thing. Um, what, what do you think that's about? Um, that one feels a little bit more tied to the, the, um, gender, um, um, training. It's not the right word. Here I am. Um, but yeah, the conditioning as a little girl, Mm -hmm. uh, where it's my job to make people comfortable. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, um, it's everybody's job to help each other feel supported, right? Um, that's a, um, it needs to be mutually mutually beneficial though. Like you need to feel comfortable and made comfortable as well. So um, what we're socialized to be is just thinking about the other person's comfort, but not really paying attention to like, am I comfortable in this situation? And has someone made me uncomfortable? And what, what does that mean? If they haven't made me uncomfortable, right? So do I call that out or do I not? And if I do, do I create a conflict or not? I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to this and let you think about it for a moment as we enter Another little break here. So you're listening to The Hard Skills with me, Dr. Mira Branku, and our guest, Elisa Herr. And we'll be right back in just a moment. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape driving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and intangify your business today. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Hey, 
Welcome back to the Heart Skills with me, Dr. Mir Bronku, and our guest, Elisa Hare. Now, we're doing this coaching call, and I just want to make sure that people know that you don't resolve these things in one coaching session. <laughs> this is a lifetime of unhelpful learned experiences and behaviors that we're trying to unlearn. That often takes a whole lot more coaching sessions, but we're going to target just a few more things here with Elisa. And that is um, what it means to finally care for yourself. Right. And I'm wondering, like, we're kind of what are you thinking right now about like what we just discussed about that? So um, I cope by taking frantic notes. And um, one of the things that really resonated with me was like, you know, bringing up there's this mutually beneficial agreement that we have in society that we're you know it's everybody's job to make people feel supported and comfortable and so um when something happens that makes me not feel like make makes me um uncomfortable and I want to say something about it bringing it up makes us both uncomfortable (laughs) um and it I mean, is it just, do you just push through the uncomfort? Is that, you just do that for the greater good? Uh, In the beginning, you're pushing through the discomfort because it's new and new things are uncomfortable. And um, over time though, you get better and better at it. But if you avoid it, it will stay uncomfortable because you haven't had enough practice. And that you can apply that to literally any new risk or challenge that you face. And I'm sort of like, if you, if you go back to like starting your business early, early, early on, I bet there were things that you did that were super scary and uncomfortable and you just pushed past because it was more important to you to have this business. Is that right? Yeah, you're right. It's the same risk. It's just about emotions, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and, um, many, many of us who have been trained to ignore and not express our true, accurate emotions about things, um, it takes some time to practice doing that, like as a normal thing. Yeah. When we think about what, you know, how, how most men are socialized, they're socialized to also not feel certain emotions and only allowed to feel anger. Right. Um, we're, we're um, socializing it in a different way, but it's a, the same issue. Like if you, if you cannot um, sort of allow yourself to experience the full experience of normal human emotion, then it's going to feel uncomfortable until you practice and recognize that like, Hey, this is normal. It's normal for me to be uncomfortable. It's normal for this to feel awkward. It's normal for me to be anxious. Um, Everyone does feel anxious in those situations, even if you've practiced quite a bit. So um, some of it is just like accepting, like it's okay um, to to feel a little bit of discomfort, Um, but it's worthwhile if you want to deepen relationships and if you want to sort of strengthen the way that people work together and strengthen trust on your team. I can't wait to listen to this episode so that I can take better notes. <laughs> um, the final thing that I want you to think about is um, if you're doing something that is upsetting or annoying somebody else, um, how would you want to be approached? Would you want to be approached or would you want them to hold it in and not tell you? Yeah, I... I absolutely would want them to approach it with like kindness and compassion. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and it's hard. I mean, sometimes it is painful to hear, um, but yes, it is better to hear it. Okay. So if you are the kind of person that would rather know than not know, but you want to know in a specific way, which is with kindness and compassion, how would you ideally imagine 
someone approaching you with that? Um, be private, um, okay. uh, gentle tone of voice. Um, I feel like I'm struggling with describing, um, describing it, but, um, yeah, being able to give me the direct feedback. It's all the things that I'm, <laughs> I'm not great at, but yeah, that it's, you know, being able to say it in a non-emotional way and, um, uh, having specific examples, you know, being willing to talk if I have questions about it, um, and, and, and being able to sit with, um, feelings that arise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then if they did that, would that feel like they cared about you Yeah. and your growth? Yeah, definitely would. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, something to just keep in mind is, um, if you can approach it, with the recognition that like the only reason you would ever be interested in wanting to give feedback to someone is because you actually care about them and you want to retain them. Yeah. Right. Like if you could not care less, <laughs> you didn't want to retain them. You wouldn't put that effort in. Yeah. So um, making sure that you're approaching it with like, I'm doing this because I care and I'm, su I'm supporting them in their growth as a mentor, as um, a leader who cares, as someone who wants to see them succeed. And you could literally say that. I have to say something really hard and it's only because I care and I want to see you succeed. And this is like so important to me to help you do this. Right. Beautiful. Like I, I, I just love to can up that exact <laughs> phrase and say it. Yeah. I've been very, very hesitant, Elisa, to give you words because I know you were saying like, this is your thing that you want to like just bottle up other people's words. And I don't want it to be unnatural to you. I want it to be your thing. Because um, if you if you make it about like capturing the way that other people say it, it's always going to be stressful to you. Yeah. So I'd rather you come up with like your own words about why this is important to mm -hmm. you to share with other people when you give feedback. Yeah. Cause it'll, it'll just be much more natural if you do it that that's way. True. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. I, it's, it's so interesting. It's like, you know, this, the advice of like how treating people, how you'd want to be treated. And I, yeah, I don't know. It's, Of course, I've thought about it before. How would I want somebody to give me feedback? But um, yeah, this perspective is really helpful. Thanks. Good, good. I do think that you actually have a very naturally thoughtful, caring way about you. And so um, I would rather you pull more of that out of yourself and write down like from your heart what you want someone to know about how much you care about giving them this feedback than trying to capture the exact words of somebody else because yeah. that's where that's where you're getting stuck right now i think this is your your greatest challenge is feeling like it's got to be perfect so that it's palatable but the most palatable to people is when it's coming from your heart yeah you're right and actually, that's the kind of feedback I've gotten from my team is that like, I am a caring and compassionate person and a caring and compassionate leader. And, um, and that that is a strength that I have and that they really appreciate about me. Um, mm. So don't dismiss what they appreciate most about your strength. Mm -hmm. And, and when you seek um, other people's words, then you're taking away from the strength that they appreciate so much about you. 
Yeah. And it's all about comparing myself to others. So, yeah. When they, when, when your team already sees, um, that you have your own unique strengths that they appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We can go on and on and on. I know it, but, um, we are uh, reaching the end at this point. So, um, this was, you know, so, so good for, um, you know, so many people I think that are struggling with the same thing. So I really appreciate Elisa, you coming on, um, sharing this challenge and sharing, you know, yourself, um, with, with others. And, um, hopefully you got some, some helpful tips out of this. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, in this episode, we discussed so many aspects of leaning into the hard skills. What did you audience get from this? What did you take away? Importantly, what is one small change you can implement this week based on what we talked about with Elisa? You can share it with me um, on LinkedIn at Mira Branku or at talkradio.nyc so we could cheer you on. We're on iTunes and Spotify. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a review and um, share with others so we can increase visibility, reach and impact. Um, thank you for talkradio.nyc for hosting. I'm Dr. Mira Branku, the host of the Hard Skills Show. Thank you for joining us today with Elisa Her. Have a great rest of your day, wherever you're tuning in from. Are you a high-achieving, growth-oriented leader? Are you interested in developing your authentic leadership while creating a healthy, inclusive workplace? Hi, I'm Dr. Mara Bracu, host of The Hard Skills on talkradio.nyc at 1 p.m. Eastern on Fridays, where we discuss how leaders develop the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. We interview experts, have live coaching, and tackle these challenges. Listen to The Hard Skills on Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.